Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, everybody, and thank you so much for joining me here on Listen Up. Uh, we wrap up the week, and uh, boy, what a tough week it has been. I hope you had a chance to listen to my podcast that uh, came out today around noon uh, Pacific, uh, a reflection on some of the shows that I've had here on Listen Up on Wednesday and Thursday. And I took some of the calls uh, that I thought were very interesting that uh, made you think and just exchange ideas and get an understanding of what people are going through that are not in uh, Uvalde, Texas. If you did not get a chance to uh, hear the podcast, uh, again, it is now available on your favorite podcast uh, platform. So we can go in whatever direction you want today. We have the uh, Miami-Boston series continuing. Uh, Miami loses. They're done for the year. If Boston wins, it will be the Warriors and the Celtics in the NBA Finals. You have Colorado and St. Louis in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You also have uh, an interesting development coming out of San Francisco as it relates to the manager of the San Francisco Giants, Gabe Kapler. And uh, he has said that uh, he will stay inside when the national anthem is played until, quote, he feels better about the direction of our country. He said, quote, when I was the same age as the children in Uvalde, my father taught me to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance when I believed my country was representing its people well, or to protest and stay seated when it wasn't. I don't believe it is representing us well right now. He said, every time I placed my hand over my heart and removed my hat, I'm participating in a self-congratulatory glorification of the only country where these mass shootings take place. On Wednesday, I walked out onto the field I listened to the announcement as we honored the victims in Uvalde. I bowed my head. I stood for the national anthem. Metallica was on City Connect guitars. He said, my brain said drop to a knee. My body didn't listen. I wanted to walk back inside. Instead, I froze. I felt like a coward. I didn't want to call attention to myself. I didn't want to take away from the victims or their families. But I am not okay with the state of this country. I wish I hadn't let my discomfort compromise my integrity. I wish that I could have demonstrated what I learned from my dad. That when you're dissatisfied with your country, you let it be known through protest. The home of the brave should encourage this. That's the uh, manager of the Giants, uh, Gabe Kapler. All right, so if you want to come on the show today, wrap up the week, you can hit your hand icon, and uh, we will get you uh, right on. Obviously, as this tragedy uh, has unfolded, more and more news is coming out, and the lack of law enforcement and their presence to go into the school is unbelievably alarming. And quite frankly, I don't understand it. Uh, I'm not law enforcement, but I I don't understand that. Uh, I really don't. Um, 
I remember waking up on 9-11 and seeing firemen, firewomen, police, transit police, all run in to a unbelievably dangerous situation with no hesitation, no pause to help out their fellow man. And that was a little over 20 years ago, right? And now today in 2022, we have children being slaughtered in a school and police just stay outside. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure what else to say because I don't think anything else needs to be said. I don't think anything else needs to be said. Amazing. Really is. The uh, top Texas law enforcement officer admits that the cops botched the Uvalde school response. Amazing. Oh, well, you know, this is, uh, it's been a really hard week, but it's been much, much more difficult for those that lost loved ones on Tuesday in Uvalde, Texas. Hey, listen, we can go sports too. I mean, that's what I'm here for. Um, I am happy to talk about the Warriors last night. I'm really happy for Clay Thompson. I think what he has endured physically to come back the way he has, he's everything that's right about pro sports. He's everything that's right about the NBA. I will not miss Luka Doncic bitching and complaining to the officials after every call. It getting it gets old. Uh, he needs to shut the hell up and just play. I've said that on many occasions. I think it is unfortunate how he is on the basketball floor. I think it's just ridiculous. And I think he's a great player. But he needs to change. I think it's a bad look for him. I really do. All right, we have, uh, again, games tonight. Miami and Boston in the NBA, Colorado and St. Louis in the NHL. Why don't we get to uh, some phone calls right here on this uh, Friday before the holiday weekend, and we're going to check in and say hello to Kyle. Hey, Kyle, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Okay, bud. Um, I just wanted to come on the show and say uh, go Celtics. I hope we can finish some Miami off tonight. And if so, it would be a great finals between us and the Warriors. And I really hope we might win. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, Boston better win tonight. I, even though yeah. there's no rhyme or reason in this series. Home court, it, you never know which team is going to show up. But, you know, going going on the road right. and having to win a game seven is not a proposition Boston wants to go through. So I would expect them – again, I've expected this in the past. I expected this in game three after they played so well in game two to come up with a very good performance, and it was maybe their worst performance of the year. But with that said, I, I would expect the A version of the Celtics to show up tonight. I hope so too, Grant. I hope you're right. But who knows, right? In this series, who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm, there, is, yeah. there is no way to figure out how this series is going to go because every time you think you have it figured out, the opposite happens. So I'm not, I'm, not even, I'm not even going there. We'll sit back, watch the game, and see. But I have no idea. I don't know what to expect tonight. I really don't. Yep. All right, Grant. You take care. Have All a good weekend. Take care. Bye-bye. See you. You know, obviously, with this series, all the games have been horrible. They've been terrible. Absolutely awful. Terrible. So, I, I, I don't know what to think tonight. I mean, you think about this. Awful. Can we have a good game for crying out loud? Is that asking too much? I would, I would hope that you could have a good game. Now, if, if the Heat win tonight, then it's uh, winner take all 
on Sunday to face the uh, Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. Miami, by the way, the top seed, as we know. And the, the one thing about Miami, when they have to win a game, they normally play well. They normally play well. But I don't know what to expect anymore. I really don't. I don't know what to expect uh, in this series anymore. I, I It has been awful. It really has. It's been terrible. It, you know, you can't even, if you're a fan of the Celtics, you'd have to admit that. If you're a fan of the Heat, you'd have to admit that. It's been terrible. You know? Terrible. Absolutely terrible. All right. If you want to come on the program, hit your hand icon, uh, raise your hand, uh, and we will do it. The Warriors are in, and they'll play the winner of this series. And I got to tell you, based on the Warriors and what they have going on right now, they're the team to beat, whether it's Boston or Miami. They're the, the, the Warriors, I think, clearly the favorite, regardless of who comes out of the East. As long as the Warriors are healthy, uh, they can beat you in a lot of different ways. They're, 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 they're good. I think we know that. I'll tell you something else is good. And I don't know if a lot of people know who Connor McDavid is. And I mean that in all sincerity because he plays for the Edmonton Oilers. He's the closest thing to Wayne Gretzky that we've ever seen. He's a superstar in the National Hockey League who scored the game-winning goal last night in overtime. He's so much better than everyone else. Uh, he is incredible. Edmonton beating Calgary in five games to advance to the Western Conference Finals. But he is electrifying. And I'm hoping that Edmonton ends up in the finals and he gets the attention that he is lacking by playing at Edmonton and that he so deserves. He is he's just great. He's the best. And he is a guy that you don't, when he's on the ice, you don't turn your head. He has that type of impact. All right, let's get to Jerry right here on Listen App. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Grant. How are you today, sir? Okay, Jerry. Thanks for calling. Hey, Grant. Uh, I've got a question for you. You said earlier uh, that uh, the NBA playoffs uh, need to be better. Um, if you're Adam Silver, how would you go about trying to fix that? I would do a take Jerry Reynolds suggestion. I'd get rid of the corner three. That's the first thing I would do. I think the three-point shot has uh, really hurt the game. I think analytics has really hurt the game, but analytics aren't going anywhere. I think that there are too many people that think that they can uh, from their laptop. I think that's wrong. Uh, but I think the three-point shot has had a very negative impact on the way the game is played today. And I would get rid of the corner three, where the three-point arc stops becoming an arc and turns into a straight line heading to the baseline. I would re remove that area and make it a two-point shot instead of a three. And I think that would help out the game a lot. Um, the corner three is just too easy, and you see teams. The game is not meant, you know, the the the, the game of basketball was never it was never intended to pass up a wide open layup to kick out for a twenty two foot twenty three foot shot. That's not the way the game was designed to be played. That's the way the game is being played now, and I think it's really hurting the game. Grant, let me ask you this. So instead of making that a two-point shot, why don't uh, couldn't we or couldn't they just have like a uh, just maybe like ten or fifteen minimum shots you can take from them? Then after that, those will not count. I don't like that idea personally. I mean, if okay. uh, personally, I don't like that either. It's either going to have it or you're not going to have it. And to me, and I thought Jerry Reynolds hit this right on the head you know, years ago when he talked about this. He thinks it's too easy of a shot for the NBA. He thinks if you got rid of the corner three, it would, uh, the game would be different. And I, I agree. And I would say this, Jerry, if, and I'm not, I, I'm not making a prediction. I'm only saying if, if the NBA finals are as bad as the conference finals have been, don't be surprised if the league makes some significant changes. Because the one thing I will tell you, the NBA is not afraid to make changes to their game. And, they, they'll 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 do what is necessary to improve the game. Now I don't know if it's going to happen overnight, but it will happen. 
And Grant, where would you go to to look at the ratings this year for the uh, for the postseason, or does that post after the postseason's over? Uh, I I think they come out on a fairly regular basis, but yes, after the NBA Finals, the ratings will come out. They do have individual game ratings, but then uh, the okay. way they do it, yes, you would have a complete uh, breakdown uh, after the finals are over, and and for the playoffs for that matter. I don't, I haven't seen the uh, NBA ratings recently, and it's a very good question that you bring up, but I would think that the ratings for the conference finals have not been very good, but I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know that for sure. I don't know who in their right mind, I really mean this, I don't know who in their right <laughs> mind would be watching these games that are blowouts uh, at halftime, and right. I, I sure as hell am not. I can tell you that. I'm not. I, I'm not at all. But it's, you, you bring up a very good question. Are Are the ratings being affected by what we're watching right now or not watching. And right. I, I would I would think they have to, you know? And Grant, one more thing before I let you go. Um, you know what? I'm glad too that Luca's not playing anymore. Not because, you know, I'm a Kings fan and we want to look at this and that, but just the crying and the bitching. You know what? If he would have been drafted by Sacramento, probably would have been the same thing. Another DeMarcus Cousins, not so much of a talent, but of the whining. I'm with you. Thanks for the call. Have a good weekend. Great, too, Grant. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Let's get to uh, some more phone calls right here on this Friday edition. And we uh, say hello to uh, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. How are you doing, Grant? Okay, Ryan. Thanks for calling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I just want to reinforce what you've done this week. Thank you so much again, and especially with your podcast today. Um, you know, there there's some mainstream broadcasters out there that didn't say a word about it and there's others that have done what you've done and i think it's very commendable um, in terms of what happened with the police in texas the one thing that i can say yeah is it very troubling absolutely but i do appreciate the transparency this soon from the tragedy because usually those things come out six months 12 months later so i mean and nothing good comes out of it, but at least they're being honest. Um, I, I think that's a great point. I think you make a very good point. There's no cover-up. Uh, it's now, uh, what, 72 hours after the tragedy, and we're getting all of these facts uh, brought right out to us. I think that's I think that's right on. Yes. So uh, just real quick on the three ball, I do agree with you and Jerry about that needs to change. But I think that's the big reason that, you know, the three ball and a dunk, those are the two most exciting plays in the NBA for the most part, mm -hmm. especially to get the crowd up, playoff basketball. Yeah. Um, yep. But if they're not going in, it makes for a really ugly game. And we've seen that in numerous series between the Celtics earlier in the playoffs and now in the Celtics heat. I mean, the Celtic or the heat went nine for 45, I believe. About that, huh? Wow. Last game. That's crazy. 45 threes. <laughs> Anyways, um, hey, there's some people celebrating the 20th anniversary of the 2002 series with the Kings and the Lakers. And I would love to get your thoughts on your best memories of that series and your worst memories. Well, I would, first of all, I don't understand why in Sacramento there, you used the word celebrating or commemorating the 20th anniversary of that. The Kings lost, okay? They were up three games to two and lost this series and missed 14 free throws on their home floor in game seven. I, I've never understood this. And I used to criticize the Raiders for talking about the team of the decades when I was doing their preseason games. I didn't criticize them on the air when I was doing the games on TV. But but off off the air, I would talk about this with Jim Plunkett. I would talk about this with George Atkinson. I did not understand the amount of things that we had to do on the telecast with the glory years of the Raiders, the team of the decades, going back and talking about, you know, John Madden, right? And the Super Bowl wins in mm -hmm. the 80s. You know, we had already turned, we had already turned the calendar. It was the turn, we had already gotten into the 2000s and the team was living in the past. And because they had nothing else to fall back on. Yes, I am aware that they lost in the Super Bowl to Tampa, but the point is they kept on bringing up their team of the decades and their Super Bowls. And, and I kept on saying, why are we talking about 
the Super Bowls in 81 and 83. That's forever. I don't understand why the Kings continue to bring up that team. That team lost. Yes, it was a fun team. I announced every game. I loved it. But the point of the matter is, you know, they they don't have anything else in Sacramento to put their hat on because the team has been so embarrassingly bad since 2006. And so they keep on coming up with the memories of 2002 as if that's going to pacify the fans and, oh, wow, look at us. They lost. They had the best record in the NBA. They lost game seven on their home floor and missed 14 free throws. And yet they want to have this big anniversary of that team from 2002, like the 20th anniversary. Why? What, what's the purpose of it? Like, I don't understand. It, it, it makes no sense to me. But to answer your question, I announced the game on radio by myself because Gary Gerald was working at the Indy 500 on Memorial Day weekend. I announced the games three and four in Los Angeles at the Staples Center. And I know a lot of people will remember this, but the Kings went in there on game three and absolutely kicked their ass so much so that I was going to break. And I said, and we'll be right back to the Los Angeles Public Library right after this on the Kings Radio <laughs> Network. All right. That's how quiet it was. I also remember this. Heather Locklear was sitting right next to me because they put our broadcast location on the floor towards where the Lakers bench was. But they had the Lakers bench. Then they had a bunch of seats on the floor. Then press row started. And she was with uh, her husband at the time, Richie Sambor. I think I pronounced the name correctly. And I went to a commercial break and she, I took my headset off and I grabbed uh, a bottle of water and she said, Hey, you were really good. And I said, thank you very much. And I said, I think you're really good too. You know, <laughs> cause my <laughs> wife at the time used to watch Melrose place and everything. And I'm like, I think you're really good too. And she <laughs> chuckled and I said, no, thank you very much. So I, th I remember that. I remember how quiet it was for game three. Then what I really remember about game four was the Robert Ory shot, obviously, but about 15 or 20 minutes after that, after I did the post game and got off the radio, I went into the King's locker room and you could hear a pin drop. And Vladi walks right up to me. And he says, everyone's so down in here. And I told him, get their head up. We're going back. We're winning game five. We're winning the series. I told people, forget about it. We're better than they are. We're going to go back and win game five. First thing, I mean, I literally walked in the locker room and he comes right up to me and says that. And, you know, the Kings go back and they win game five on the Mike Bibby shot. And then obviously game six to this day is considered the worst officiated game in the history of the NBA playoffs. And what really bothers me in retrospect for that game six, everyone knows it was the worst officiated game in NBA history. And I don't know this about Ted Bernhardt, but I do know this for a fact about Dick Bavetta and Bob Delaney, who were officiating that game. Dick Bavetta and Bob Delaney both moved on and officiated the next round in the NBA finals. And that mm -hmm. is disgraceful. They should not have been allowed after their horrible performance in game six to officiate game seven. But with Ron Garrettson, the uh, head of, or excuse me, uh, Daryl Garrettson, the head of the officials. It was the good old boys network, and that's the way they operated. But Dick Pavetta and Bob Delaney. And Bob Delaney, in my opinion, is one of the most overrated, worst officials that I had ever encountered in my years of the NBA. And I will tell you that that game six, okay, it was directly in my line of sight when Kobe Bryant gave Mike Bibby a forearm shiver, okay? and Bob Delaney is sitting there staring right at it. Mike Bibby almost got knocked out. Yep. And Bob Delaney did not call that foul. Had he called that foul, the Kings would have won game six. They would have won the series. And they would have won the NBA championship. That was one of the worst calls. Excuse me. That was one of the worst non-calls that I've ever seen in any game I've ever watched in my entire life. Those are some of the things that I remember.
I appreciate you sharing those memories, and I, I agree. There's no reason to celebrate the loss. However, you know, Sacramento, in my opinion, has never really gotten over 2002. So there's some good things to reminisce on, but I think it's more of trying to stir up the fan base. And, you know, I was at the watch party at Arco Arena for game six. And when we saw Mike got hit, you know, and the, the calls were terrible the entire game, just like you said. Right. But then that's when it was obvious. So there's all this talk, was it fixed? And you bring up an excellent point about them moving on and being able to ref the finals because they grade the refs on every game. Yeah, How the hell are you moving on to the NBA freaking finals when yep. you had that many missed calls that were obvious to everybody? And it wasn't just Sacramento. It was the entire nation outside of yeah, Los Angeles. Yeah, everyone saw it. Oh, yeah. yeah. People that had no rooting interest at all for the Lakers or the Kings, you know, the everyone and even people in Los Angeles. Right. Everyone acknowledges that that was the worst officiated playoff game ever. And here we are 20 years later, and it's still the worst officiated playoff game in the history of the league. As a matter of fact, I hope that we never have a game that is, you know, poorly as poorly officiated as that game. That would be awful for the team that gets screwed. But yeah, that is the worst officiated game in NBA history. And yet, and and I don't know about Ted Bernhard. I don't I can't remember if he ended up doing the Lakers net series, but I will tell you that Bob Delaney did and Dick Pavetta did. And that's just a, that that's disgraceful. Do you think it's more of a seniority thing at that point? Because Bavetta had yes. been a referee for so long and was 100%. Okay. And Bob Delaney yeah, it... is one of the Bob Delaney is truly one of the worst officials for somebody of his status that I ever I had ever seen. It, it wasn't just from that game. I, I game after game after game. I've never understood how Bob Delaney uh, was working, you know, playoffs and NBA finals. I never understood that. I really didn't. He's horrible. So forgive me, but what made what were the things with Delaney that stood out to you? That, uh, you know, he just made that mistakes opinion? that he made mistakes at the end of games uh, on a regular basis. And I used to point them out and I actually would point it out before the game would start when I was doing my radio show. And I would say, hey, there's going to be, you know, bad calls at the end of this game because Bob Delaney's officiating tonight. And as it turned out, there would be and other games as well. I just never understood how Bob Delaney rose to the top of NBA officials actually end up working for the league for a number of years uh, in their officiating department uh, as an evaluator. And, you know, as a big person in the NBA with officials, I never understood that, you know, Bob's claim to fame was he is uh, his job. Excuse me. He was an informant and had a very dangerous job in law enforcement, I believe. And there was a, I don't know if there was a movie or a book or something out of that. I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, that was Bob's, you know, uh, uh, really claimed the fame before he became an official. He had a very dangerous job. Which means he was in, you know, I respect his service, but means he was dealing with unsavory characters. Do you think there's anything to a Donahue situation there? I would say no. Um, and he, he was, that's, here it is. I have it right here. He was an undercover New Jersey state trooper. That's what he was. He was an undercover New Jersey state trooper. No, I, I don't believe that. I don't. But anyway, if you ever want to just, you know, he blew the whistle uh, on the mob. And he was working with, you know, high level criminals. When I mean he working with, he was an undercover and was in the middle of all of that. And uh, his story, matter of fact, the, the, it was a book. They, they wrote a book on it. Uh, My Years of Infiltrating the Mob. Uh, Bob Delaney, they wrote a book on that. So, yeah, I mean, he he, he had he lived an extremely dangerous life before he became an NBA uh, referee. Uh, the game, the, the book was covert. My years infiltrating the mob, uh, Bob Delaney. He, he, he infiltrated the mafia in the 1970s. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. And and it's interesting. I, I'm reading this as you and I are speaking. Uh, he suffered PTDS as a result of that, which I was not aware of until just now. So again, I respect his service, but how the hell does somebody like that become an NBA official? I have no idea. You're asking the wrong guy. That That's crazy. And I, I we've talked about mental health. Obviously that's a very serious subject. I would never 
hold mental health about, against anybody from getting an occupation. But, you know, there's just something weird about that. If you're, you know, you're working with the mob, you have contacts, you're undercover, like it, it, it it's just a little bit weird to me. I, I don't, I don't disagree. I've never really given it that much thought until just now. Uh, but, you know, so I guess in 1975, Bob Delaney had spent only a year and a half as a New Jersey state trooper when his superiors approached him with this danger undercover assignment to infiltrate the mob. He accepted, he became Bobby Covert was the name. Uh, he was the president of Alamo Trucking, a fully operational business used by law enforcement as flypaper for, uh, you know, snagging crooks. And mm -hmm. says at the height of the Godfather era, Delaney wore a wire and lived among wise guys who modeled themselves on their on-screen counterparts quoting lines from the movie and boasting of how often they'd seen it. Delaney even crossed paths with Joe Pistone. Is it Pistone? Pistone, right? The real Pistone. life Donnie. Yeah. The, the real life Donnie Brasco. All right. Cross paths with him. I mean, so again, you know, uh, it says ultimately he gathered enough evidence to convict 30 members of the Bruno and Genovese crime families. How about that? That's unreal. That, that's yeah. literally unreal. Yep. And it doesn't mean that, you know, he's not a, uh, what word, an ethical person. I don't mean to say that. I'm not painting. I, I, Bob, listen, Bob knows me. I know Bob. I would say hi to Bob all the time. Uh, I think Bob knew how I felt of him as an official, although I never told him that. I was respectful when I was in his presence. When Bob later uh, retired and worked for the NBA, when I would see him at games, he would always come up and say hello to me. And I, I, I was never real friendly with Bob. I wanted him to know in a nonverbal communication way, in an indiscreet way, that his officiating in game six of the NBA finals was one of the worst jobs of any official in the history of team sport. And I'll never forgive him for that. And I don't think anyone should. That's how bad it was. And rightfully so. And I appreciate you being professional about that, right? Because it is your job to give your opinion on somebody. And if you're giving an opinion on the radio, you need to do that in real life too. You know, you don't just say stuff and act a different way. But you, you hit the nail on the head earlier. The Kings had a chance to win that series, regardless of the officiating, the 14 missed free throws, yep. the uh, Peja air ball in the corner. You know that that's Chris, not Peja. Chris Weber got a know, technical. Chris Weber got a technical with four, five and a half minutes, six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, that they made a free throw on the game went to overtime. You can point to a lot of things. You know, you can't be getting a technical in the fourth quarter of game seven with a trip to the NBA finals on the line because you're arguing with the officials. You know, no I doubt. mean, I mean, you just got to call it the way it is. Yep, no doubt. So they, at the end of the day, they overcame all those obstacles and they still had a chance. So, I mean, yep. think about it, Grant. If you going to overtime in game seven with how yep. emotional that series was and how tied the city was to that team and how well they played um you know they they had their chance that's the bottom line they had they their chance and that's why that's that's what they had played all year for they had played all year to get that game seven on their home floor and they had it and they uh, you, you know it's interesting when you also ask me here's something else that always sticks out in my mind the kings were not mentally tough enough to beat kobe bryant and shaquille o'neal on that particular game in that series. They crumbled under the pressure. Doug Christie, Pesha Stojakovic, big shots, and they weren't ready for the moment at that point in their careers. Chris Weber, uh, you know, all, all the missed free throws that the Kings had in that game, they were not ready for the moment. They were not mentally tough enough. And I'll tell you, Doug and I, Doug has talked about this, on the radio with me before about that aspect that they were not mentally tough enough in retrospect when the pressure was on doug has been very open about this crumbling under the pressure and uh, it eats at all those guys every day they were not they they did not have the mental fortitude to withstand that type of pressure you know who had you, on that team bobby jackson had it and mike bibby had it Okay, those are the guys that pressure did not affect. They it wasn't gonna 
If they missed a shot, it wasn't because of the pressure. It's just they missed a shot. There were too many players on that team that melted under the brightest of lights in their NBA careers on that game seven at home. And that's the truth. That's not me being a bitter former employee. That's the truth. And I have had conversations with some of the players about that. And when I did the show with Doug, we talked about it openly and he agreed. And he's the one that brought it up. The mental fortitude. The Kings did not have the mental edge to beat Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal in that moment, in that year, on that day. They didn't have it. The Lakers had it. The Kings did not have it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. That's interesting, and I don't doubt that. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And when you bring up Bobby, I remember, was it game? No, it was game five, right? When uh, he was guarding Kobe, and Kobe missed the shot. And we I, were heading back for game six. But you got to also think, that team didn't uh, – how many players on that roster had been in that position before? How many had been to the conference finals? You know, there's not a lot yep. of them. No, like none, I don't think. Maybe Vladi. But, I mean, uh, in terms of uh, Mike Bibby had never been. Doug had never been. Peja had never been. Hito had never been. Scott had been. Scott Pollard, but he wasn't on the floor. Uh, you know, and again, I'm doing this all off the top of my head. Bobby Jackson had never been before. So it was a first experience for them. Think about that. First game seven in that environment, the Lakers, they were always in that environment. You know, they, they, the, the Lakers weren't going to beat themselves in that game. The Kings beat themselves that game. I mean, let's just call it the way it is. You, the Lakers were not going to beat themselves in a game seven. The Kings beat themselves. They missed 14 free throws. That's 14 free throws in a game seven on your home floor. The Kings beat themselves on that day. They beat themselves. The Lakers didn't beat them that day. They beat themselves. Yep. And, you know, I want to leave time for everybody else, but going back to our first point about three-pointer and how the game is, think about how the Kings played basketball. How exciting was that in 2002? You you can't take that away. They were playing the right way. They were moving the damn ball. Um, and it was fun basketball to watch. So that's one thing that I take away from it. Other than the Golden State Warriors and their run and their chemistry, there's not another team in the NBA that's had the chemistry that the 2002 Kings had. Period. End of story. Thanks for the call. Have a good weekend. All right, Grant. All right. Appreciate it. All right. We move on to uh, some more phone calls right here on this Friday, and we say hello to Eli. Hello, Eli. Hey, Grant. How's it going? Good, Eli. Thanks for calling the show. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you and I have talked about that 2002 series before. Um, it's a very interesting call that you just had. And you and I might disagree a little bit on the extent of the, um, you know, game six possibly being rigged. But that's kind of neither sure. here nor there because a lot of the points that you, you just raised were really important points and, and accurate as far as, you know, the Kings beating themselves and everything like that. So I, I appreciate hearing that perspective. Um, wanted to ask you an interesting question that may be kind of impossible to really predict, but in hindsight, like if the Kings had won the championship that year, do you think that that probably would have been an asterisk year or that it wouldn't have, there wouldn't have really been a chance of a repeat, like everything else still would have happened with the Maloofs and their financial troubles and everything that happened later. I guess I'm trying to ask, do you think that that would have significantly changed their fortunes in the years ahead or they would have still pretty much ended up similar to where they are now? 
they would have ended up similar to where they are now because the uh, that the bearing or excuse me the outcome of that game would have had no bearing on the uh, economy collapsing like it right. did in what was it 2006 2007 so yeah. um, I don't think it would have changed now you know they they and the players and they would have always had that to fall back on and go, Hey, we won a championship and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, that could have never been taken away, but do I think it would have changed anything? No, I don't think it would have changed anything. In other yeah. words, I don't think the Maloose, I don't think the Maloose uh, fortunes would have, uh, I, I don't, I don't think it would have had any impact on the Maloose. I just, I don't. Right. And and even the, the the years immediately following 2002, I mean, you still live, there's still the injuries that went down and, you know, the things that happened that I think that probably the Kings probably wouldn't really necessarily have had any chances to repeat that in the future years because yep. they still choked in those other playoff series at the end of the day, right? Well, all right. So we talk about Mike Bibby, right? Yep. So Mike Bibby in that game seven had 29 points. He was six of eight from the line. Chris Weber was two of four from the line, had only uh, 20 points and was only nine of 21. Uh, Vladi missed five free throws. He was five of 10. Hito was only one of four from the line. These are all good free throw shooters, by the way. Doug only went to the line once. Doug was 0 of 1, including 0 of 3 from 3. All right, Mike Bibby also did not shoot the well from three in that game. He was four, uh, missed four of five. The Kings only played eight players. Now, you ready for this? Mm -hmm. In that game, in that game, in which the Kings missed 14 free throws, they made only two of 20. Wow. Two of 20 from three. Think about that. They only made two three pointers, whereas the Lakers made seven of 17 and the Lakers from the line in that game, 81%, 27 of 33, the Kings from the line, 16 of 30. And even despite the Kings three point shooting woes, they lost the game that afternoon at the free throw line. They lost the game at the line. That's yeah. how they lost the game. Plain and simple. Yeah, certainly the opportunities were there and they missed them. <laughs> um, one other interesting thing I thought I'd share with you, you might find this to be kind of interesting. I found on YouTube a game that you and Jerry announced in early 2004. It was against the Denver Nuggets. It was uh, Carmelo Anthony's rookie year. And there was a segment in that show where you guys were talking about the playoff droughts at the time. And I guess Denver had an eight year long playoff drought and that was the top in the NBA at the time. And <laughs> here we are now with the oh, wow. 16 years. So how about that, huh? I wow. thought that you'd find that to be very interesting because I'm sure that you, is were very interesting. you were announcing it yeah. back then. And it was like, wow, eight years of not making the playoffs in a row. And, you know, wow. anyway, so that, that is incredible. But uh, think about that, though, that box score, two of 20 from three. Yeah. And, you know, even I mean, think about this. Peja missed all six of his threes. Peja was only three of 12 in that game for yeah. eight points. And by the way, Peja did not start that game. Hito Turkoglu was starting, and Hito ended up with uh, 10 points, only took seven shots, but he missed three free throws. Yeah. Missed three free throws. How about so that? It really has to be 100% mental at that point, because why else would such a good shooter like Peja miss so many shots? There's really no other Absolutely. Well, yeah. he was very young in his career, but still, he wouldn't have missed that. But, but, but free throws, I mean, think about this. Vladi missed five free throws. Chris Weber. 50%, Chris Weber in that game, 50% from the line. Vladi, 50% yeah. from the line. Hito, 25% from the line. I mean, I mean, you're not going to win a game seven on your home floor shooting like that from the free throw line. Yeah, well, and Vladi was never really an excellent free throw shooter, and I think you've mentioned Yeah, but he was better than 50%. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think you've mentioned also that Chris Weber, he was never really the, the big shot clutch guy. Never. Right. Chris yeah. never played well in the biggest of games. Never. Never. Yeah. I announced every one of his playoff games. There wasn't one time after a playoff series where people go, wow, Chris Weber was great in that series. Never happened. Never yeah. happened. Well, crazy that the series was as close as it was, right? I mean, the Kings, they, you know, yeah. went to game seven and they got some really good wins there. So 
the Lakers at the end of the day didn't even play that great. It's just the Kings walked over themselves. Like you said, they beat themselves. So that's, that's a really interesting analysis of it. And, you know, I never really heard it articulated that well before. So I appreciate that. Thank you. You have a good weekend. Always good hearing from you. Take Take care. care. I didn't even remember that the Kings were that bad from three. I knew they had missed 14 free throws. Vladi, again, Vladi and Chris, 50% from the line in that game. And then Chris get a technical foul in the fourth quarter half at the halfway point. I mean, you you know, you can point to a lot of things, but you can point right to the free throw line. So you can't blame missed free throws on the refs as much as I would like to, right? Can't, you can't. You cannot blame the refs for 14 missed free throws, right? And you know that in that game, Kobe Bryant did not have a field goal in the fourth quarter or overtime. Think about that for a minute. Kobe Bryant did not score a field goal in the fourth quarter or overtime. Think about that for a minute. Shaq was quoted after the game, quote, we made some mistakes, but we know what it takes to win. The Kings did not know what it took to win. And that's the point that I was trying to make with Ryan on the previous call. The Lakers knew what it took to win because they had won in the past. The Kings did not. They weren't ready for the moment. Robert Ory after the game said, quote, I thought they tensed up down the stretch when Bibby was taking all the shots and the others were hesitating. 100% correct. Again, the Laker players saw it and they were right. They were right. Here's the story on ESPN.com. You ready for this? The crowd went into a collective hush every time Weber got his hands on the ball, wondering whether the big salary player with the reputation for failing at crunch time would get it done. That's, that's ESPN talking about that. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Man. Think about that for a minute. Even the Lakers were talking about that after the game. Game seven, 14 missed free throws. 14 missed three throws. I don't know how you ever get over that. They haven't. You know, they don't. Kings were up 74-73 going into the fourth. Oh, by the way, that technical foul by Weber was in the fourth quarter with Less than two minutes left. All right. Less than two minutes into the fourth quarter. Excuse me. Complaining about a non-call. And after that, he then missed his next two shots. I don't know. Unbelievable. So you want to talk about what I remember? I'm, 
some of these things that I'm reading right now, I did not recollect. I thought Chris's technical was a little bit later in the fourth, but it was not. But still, you're giving away a point on your home floor in game seven. There you go. On that note, we'll send you to the weekend. Hope I didn't ruin your weekend, but I didn't bring it up. Ryan, there you have it. Ryan's the one that brought it up. There we go. He brought it up. And I'm just running down the facts. All right, let's get to Al. Hey, Al. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Can you hear me? Can you hear me, Nate? Nate, are you there? Well, good, but he can't hear me. So we'll uh, say so long on that uh, note. Alex, uh, I appreciate the effort. I could hear you fine for whatever reason. Uh, you could not hear me. All right, so uh, Memorial Day on Monday, I will not have a show on Monday, Tuesday, I don't know what time I'm gonna be doing the show yet. Uh, I'm flying out to California on Tuesday, so I don't know. I will have a show, but I don't know the time yet, okay? It may be at three o'clock, but I'll, you'll know, I'll post the show. Wednesday, I will not have a show. Thursday, I'll have a show next week. Friday, I will have a show next week. But I will not be able to have a show on Wednesday. All right. So Monday holiday, Tuesday to be determined. No show Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, yes. All right. That's the schedule. And if you get an opportunity, I encourage you to listen to my podcast today. I took some calls from the previous shows, put them together to talk about what an awful 72 hours this has been for this country and particularly those in Uvalde, Texas. Our prayers and thoughts will always be with those that lost loved ones. Be safe, everyone. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you next week. So long. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.